people have these preconceived notions about the abilities of people with disabilities. And once you break down those preconceived notions, what you really find is a very loyal employee because they're given an opportunity, they're gonna grasp a hold of that opportunity and not let go of it. They're really gonna perform. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So for all of you who are joining us for the first time, I just want to welcome you to the Kelly family. And for those who have been listening for a while and are wanting to know how you can get a hold of us here on the show, send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I.edu. With that email, you can ask to request some advice from our faculty. You can re- recommend a guest that you would love to hear on our show, or you can ask us a question that we may be able to help you as a leader navigate through some of those tough choices you have to make. Well, on this episode, we are sitting down with the CEO and president of Bosma Enterprises, Jeff Mittman, along with Sherry Hoddle, Senior Director of Business Development. I just want to welcome you guys uh, to the ROI podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Jeff, tell us a little bit, for those who are unfamiliar with Bosma, talk, walk us through the organization, your mission, and what you guys are hoping to accomplish here in Indianapolis. Well, here at Bosma Enterprises, our mission is to provide opportunities for people who are blind or visually impaired. So, for example, I have uh, over 200 employees, and about 55% of them are blind or visually impaired. So every all throughout the organization, all the way from the newest employee up to myself as the president CEO, we have people who are blind or visually impaired working side by side with their sighted counterparts. And uh, the more we can provide those those opportunities for employment or in our rehabilitation center where we actually are a statewide provider of blind rehab for uh, people who have lost their vision, we're able to provide those opportunities either through employment or through training to help people to adapt to vision loss wherever they are. And I think that sometimes that can be somewhat of a, there could be a stigma or maybe a people are more of just like a scared or a fear, you know, from organizational leaders, especially when it involves around disability, because I mean, not only are we talking a lot of government regulations to make accommodations, but we're also talking, I mean, cost and everything else to accommodate or people just don't know how to, you know, treat people with disabilities or blindness. Um, and so for, from your perspective, you know, how are leaders able to accommodate um, people and treat people with the dignity and respect that, you know, they deserve. Well, what we find is I think most people, I think you're right. Fear is really what it is. Fear because the fear of the unknown people have these preconceived notions about the abilities of people with disabilities and specifically blindness. Blindness is especially scary for people because they don't know how they would operate or how they would do it. So one of the things we do here is, is we have an employment services program that actually helps people who are blind or visually impaired find jobs, not only at Bosma, but throughout the community. And as we get more and more employees out there in the community and people understand the capabilities of somebody who is blind or visually impaired, then they always come back for more saying, hey, this is a great employee, can we have another? And once you break down those preconceived notions or those those thoughts that people have or that fear of the unknown, then it really breaks down the barriers and opens the floodgates and allows us to bring more people in. And what you find is when you, with a 70% unemployment rate nationally for people who are blind or visually impaired, when you bring somebody in who is blind or visually impaired, what you really find is a very loyal employee 
because they're taking advantage. They've been given an opportunity. They're going to grasp a hold of that opportunity and not let go of it, and they're really going to perform. So our employees, wherever here at Bosmore or some of our uh, clients that we place in, in the community employment, they're very, very good employees. And the accommodations, uh, for example, myself, you know, all the accommodations I need are software. They're already included in a lot of operating systems. It's already there. So when I buy a Windows operating system, a lot of the accommodations I need are there. Now, when we get into manual things, a lot of times what we find is the accommodations are very, very minor. So I have, uh, I have blind employees now who are actually doing injection molding. And they're using injection molding machines, and they're performing just as well as the sighted counterparts. So it's it's not as big a problem, and it's not as expensive as people believe it to be. So once we break those misconceptions down, it really becomes easy to get people in and, and prove what they can do. And for, for a lot of these leaders who, you know, maybe are just don't know how to address the elephant in the room, especially when you bring in disabilities into the conversation, it can become an elephant that, you know, brings in fear, anxiety, or whatever things, because it's... We don't, how do you address it without offending someone? How do you address it without, you know, disrespecting someone? Um, and so for either of you two, you know, what are ways that leaders and organization, organizational leaders can start opening up some of these conversations um, within, the, within their organization as they bring in new employees? Well, I think it's like any employee. You ask an employee <clears throat> what they need. How can I help you be successful? And if I have the conversation like I would with any other employee, those things will come to the forefront. So if I ask, uh, I got a new employee, I ask, is there anything else you need? How can I make you successful? It's the same conversation I have with somebody with a disability or somebody who's facing blindness or vision loss. What do I have to do to make, what, how can I help you be successful? And that's what we do. Yeah, I would like to add that I actually have had um, a couple blind employees report to me, one on the sales side and then also on the business development side. And I think to Jeff's point, he's, he's right. I think at the end of the day, you just have to remember they're just like us. They just have something that, um, you know, we, we, we have, which is their vision. And I think what Bosma does is we actually are able to provide a lot of accommodations, whether it's computers, cell phones, um, just any kind of adaptive technology that they need um, is really important for an organization. And I want to go back to what you said about, you know, a 3.3% turnover rate. Yeah, that's, I mean, still, that's, I mean, anything, that's incredible. That's an incredibly small turnover rate. And I, I would bet that a lot of it all has to do not just with the individuals you hire, but the culture of the organization that attracts people. So talk about, you know, what Bosma does or what you do as CEO that creates an environment or how do you guard your culture in order to keep that turnover rate and make people want to be here? Well, we always put the, the mission foremost in everything we do. So as I'm, uh, I tend to walk around quite a bit. I'll walk around and I'm interacting with, with our employees on a daily basis, whether that's in production, or it's in the warehouse, it's in accounting, wherever it is. I spend a lot of time outside of the office actually interacting so that the employees know I'm present, I'm supporting them, I'm here if there's an issue, I've got your back and I'm at the forefront of fixing it. And there's open communication. If there is a threat or if there's an issue, it's not hidden from the employees. They're told about it. They're told, you know, you provide the right information to the right level at the right time. And the employees can grasp that and they understand that and they appreciate that. So it's that honest two-way communication that I think really, really benefits us 
as we're as we're out and about or as I'm out and about and as we go about our daily business that everybody's driving towards the same thing that they're they're there. So, you know, for example, we're we're right in the middle of uh, uh, planning our next three year strategy. We started that strategy with a survey of the employees to get their input. And then we took that input and we took it to focus groups within the employees to say, hey, does this make sense? We should be going in this direction. And then it goes to the leadership team and the board and all that. So we've we've involved everybody in our planning process. Everybody's allowed to have input. Everybody has that. And then, of course, if there's, you know, things that come up that can't be addressed, there's a feedback loop. You know, we're going to do, be able to do this, A, B, and C, but D we can't do, but here's why. So that constant feedback, that constant communication really brings everybody online and, and moving in the same direction. I think that has a lot to do with the culture. And I also want to add, too, that I think um, Bosma provides a lot of upward mobility for right. our employees. Um, if, a, if one of our employees is currently packaging exam gloves, depending on the next opportunity, they could be kitting a sterile medical exam kit or they could be doing injection molding. Um, so what's exciting is that for a sales team and the business development department, that's kind of one of our key focuses too, is to make sure that we're bringing projects and jobs to create meaningful jobs to where we're expanding those skill sets for our employees. Yeah, so we've actually, and we offer, you know, another point of upper mobility is cross-training opportunities. So we have two of our production workers who just started in quality management, you know, working on the quality program of the uh, the quality control program here at Bosma. So, you know, going from, from packaging to learning about Six Sigma and the certifications, ISO certifications, is a, you know, it's a big step. So providing them that opportunity, that background really broadens their their capabilities and broadens their opportunities over time. Yeah, and I think a good example of that would be we have an employee that started in the production line and then he moved to customer service and then he became our very first salesperson for the state of Indiana because we have contracts. And so we provided those accommodations for him to be able to go out. He's, he's blind, but to go out and start meeting our, our state customers. And I'm telling you, it's, it's been a really good program. It's been great for us. Jeff, uh, sort of on this question of leadership, you know, in any successful organization, in any business, you've mm-hmm. got the issue, a strong a culture of success comes back to accountability. How do you balance accountability or how do you bring accountability into an organization? I mean, you've got issues of performance. You've got right. uh, workers have to compete for the next that next level right. based on merit. How do you bring that into an organization where all of your workers face a significant challenge in terms of sight. Well, I treat them like everybody else. There's a uh, there's a standard to be met. Now we accommodate to the disabilities, but once the standard is set, you make sure the employee understands the standard. You assist them in meeting that standard, and then if they don't meet the standard, then there's there's the steps, the counseling to correct that. And then at some point in time, if they don't meet the standards because it's a personal decision not to and they're held accountable for it. So you assist them meeting the standard, set it, assist them meeting the standard, correct it if there's an issue, and then obviously take appropriate action like any other organization would. So my standards here for our visually or our employees who are blind or visually impaired is no different than it is for Sherry who's sighted. So because if I if I as I say every day is a blind person or somebody who's blind could do anything that somebody who's sighted can, then I need to hold you to the same standard. 
And that doesn't mean I don't accommodate your disability. I accommodate your disability. So if you need special software for a computer, I get you that special software, but the product coming out the other end is going to be identical to somebody who is sighted. So setting a standard that's even and level across the organization is really important to that. Then, of course, like I said, you accommodate for the disability, but you hold them to that standard. And uh, that's really important to uh, for us to operate as a, as a business, to operate as any other organization would with employees. It's really important that we hold people to the same standard, and that's, that's what I expect. If I'm going to say you can do anything, I'm going to expect you to do anything. And, and as we message that and as we train and as we, as we do projects or whatever we're doing, that's the most important thing is that everybody's meeting that standard. And I want to direct the conversation, you know, obviously you, there's a level of relatability, you know, when you as a CEO Mm -hmm. with some of the similar disabilities as a lot of your employees, there's that relatability, like, okay, like I can do this, you can do this. We're in it together. We're going to hold accountable, but talking from, you know, a manager's perspective that has someone on their team who has a disability, they've given all the accommodations that's necessary. However, job performance is still an issue regardless of the fact that, you know, everything is set in standard and expectations are met. How does that, you know, that boss or that leader start having those conversations without, you know, ostracizing that person or, you know, navigating in some of those, because that can be a very um, tricky conversation to have without it turning back on them and firing and saying, and then the other person saying, you're only doing this because you know, I'm, I'm disabled. Well, the conversation rotates around the performance because that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about your disability. We're talking about your performance. And if I've accommodated I've given you all the accommodations you need to meet that standard and you haven't, then it really is performance. And that's where the the conversation remains is on the performance. The standard was not met. You know, the standard was set. You've been instructed. You've been given all the opportunities to succeed, and we haven't. Now, what do I have to do to correct that? And that's really what it is because conversation, we're talking about performance, so that's where the conversation needs to stay is about the performance. Especially if they've demonstrated that they can do the work and they can do the, the their assignment. Sherry, have you had to have um, some tougher conversations with some of your employees that that you had to navigate through as you know someone who does not have a disability, but you know having to have a conversation? How did how do you manage through that? Yeah, absolutely, it's a great question. Um, when I was in sales, I was the director of sales here, and uh, my employee who was blind, he was our he was um, on my team. And a lot, the, the conversation sounds a little different. Um, when we were in sales calls, we would, I would go with him in the field on sales calls. And it was more a coaching and just having him kind of understand, because he can't see the customer. He can't, you're not, be able, you're not able to read body language or anything like that. So I coached him along the ways of, you know, kind of listening for these cues of when to kind of, talk and present the product appropriately. Um, But to Jeff's point, I think at the end of the day, I think blind people want to be treated just exactly as sighted people. And And to Jeff's point, I think he's done a great job with our culture that, you know, regardless if you're blind, sighted, whatever, a job needs to get done. And it's the output that's, that's most important. So Jeff, as you've had to, you know, work through your own struggles and hardships getting to where you are now president and CEO of a multi-million dollar organization, and I'm sure it didn't come 
you know, easily, especially, you know, not only having to work through what anyone would have to work through climbing up the ladder, but also having to wrestle with your own self-doubt and your self, like your so like the insecurities that come, you know, from, from having a disability. And so how do you, how did you push through as an individual to, to overcome and to become CEO as you sit here? Well, I think, I think my background probably has a lot to do with that. 22 years in the army and, and the, the combat tours and all the time, you know, it's 22 years in the infantry and leading soldiers and in, in very, very stressful situations. It's really no different. I just picked that model up and I put it over where I am today. So I have an objective, you know, I, I see where I need to get and I work backwards from that. What do I need to do to get there? Now the steps may be different because I'm, you know, visually impaired, but it's the same process. So I determine what I need to do, and I, I, I go through each step to get there. And bringing that, that, uh, that uh, uh, focus into what I – bringing that focus from the military or whatever into what I'm doing today, and I'm not talking about the – you know the, I'm talking about individual discipline here. Focusing on where I'm going is really the, the key, to, key to that. How do you encourage – you know, anyone else who maybe is just kind of stuck in their own head, because a lot of times it becomes a mental game that you have to overcome within yourself if you want to, you know, make it, especially in this life, whether you have a disability or not, you know, that ultimately it does come down to, to the mental battle, you know, so in some of your low times, especially, you know, in your service in the army, how did you self-talk your way um, out of some really down times in order to push through to be, uh, you know, a great leader that you are? I'm not sure I ever really had any down times. I, I don't think my loss of vision really affected my self-confidence or my discipline because it was, al- it was already there. So that probably had a lot to do with my, my transition and my adjustment. You know, I spent five and a half years in medical care after I got hurt. And the, uh, the whole time I was in medical care, I was going to school because I realized that, you know, the day would come where I was going to have to go out into the world and, and uh, outside of the military. So I think uh, uh, coming to the realization of where I am, and this is you know, it's true of anybody, you know, whether it's a disability or it's a divorce or it's a financial setback or whatever, it's taking stock of where you're at, laying out a plan, following it, and, and to the to the terminal goal, whatever that might be. So I don't know that I ever. Uh, uh, obviously, there are obstacles to overcome. Uh, don't get me wrong, and some of them are difficult, but. I was never focused on now. I was always focused on the future. So where do I need to be, you know, a year from now? What do I need to do in the next six months? Jeff, going back to your your career in the military, by the way, thank you for your service to no, the country. Okay. Thank you. Um, you know, in, in the Kelly School of Business, we have a lot of students that come in from the military, right. and they come to get their business degree. Uh-huh. And based on my own observation, there is no substitution for leadership education that you get from the military. Yeah. The business school tries to emulate it, but we, right. we, we don't do it justice. Well, in the military, you live it on a day-to-day basis. Right. So talk about the leadership lessons you brought into this organization. I and, think then, and, then, and then on top of that, uh, what I, I know you're, you've been at CEO for a while, but you're also COO and on the board. Uh-huh. What are a couple of things that you have been proud of in terms of helping to move the needle in the organization specifically? Well, I think uh, the leadership lesson is, is – um, the actual plan, the day-to-day plan. So, you know, looking where I want to be. In the, I've taken my personal, uh, I guess, system and 
place it over the organization. So where do we want to be in three years, just like any other business? And then we lay the foundation for that. What do I need to do? Well, these are my four pillars of my new strategic plan. These are the, the tactical plans I'll lay underneath there. These are the metrics I'm going to, I'm going to nail it by. And making sure that we operate that way, not so much as a, uh, a human services program, but as a business, which allows me to, to support those programs and those human services and our blind rehab and everything. So I always say we're, we're not a charity, we're a business with a mission. So we, we focus on that, those, those plans and those, those long-term goals. Uh, I always tell everybody, I said, the worst thing you can do is take no action. So if I take a step and it's in the wrong direction, that's okay. I can sidestep to the left or right and then move forward from there. <clears throat> but if I take no action, there's no corrective action to take. I'm not going anywhere. So uh, I think the second thing I've, I've done is try to, to emphasize that taking a certain amount of risk is okay. If I take all the, all the steps I can to mitigate that risk, then I have to take the step forward do that don't don't let the, the risk stop you mitigate it move forward and i think that's that's another area where i'm really pushing forward and emphasizing more specifically what are you most proud of in your yeah. in accomplishing in both your coo and ceo role here at bosman enterprises i think uh one is the increase in productivity i think our first year we increased our productivity by about 25 percent when i was coo and i think now as we're moving forward the diversification push where we're we brought in the you know the injection molding project, which is which is really small at this point. Where we're looking for it to grow, but we've proven now that our employees can actually operate at an even higher level than they were, mm-hmm. you know, the employees at the other organization were. So I think I think those two things: uh, one is the increased productivity, and two is we've now proven that we can do that job. So I expect it to grow. Mm-hmm. And uh, holding uh, Sherry accountable for bringing that in <laughs> is uh, is another step of that. But I think uh, those are those are probably what I'm most proud of is we've proven that our employees can do the job and they can do it even better than was expected. So yeah, and I would just like to add, I think with Jeff's leadership, we're also expanding our capabilities. And you know, to bring in injection molding, I would say five, 10 years ago, we might have been scared as an organization to bring in that type of work. And now that we, we, when we brought it in, there's a level of confidence that now we can take that injection molding and start expanding it from there. Um, medical kitting, same thing. Um, we've started with very simple kitting and now we're getting into more complex kitting. Um, and again, it's just expanding our capabilities. Um, and I think as the organization grows and we continue to look forward and um, continue to watch what the market's doing. Um, it's going to continue to allow us to expand and uh, compete with other organizations. You know, in the scope of leading people, you know, with disabilities, bringing people with disabilities on your team, kind of grading that into the culture of your organization, from your own experiences, has there, is there something that, you know, leaders face? Is there stigmas out there that leaders are having a hard time overcoming from where you guys sit? And how do you address those? Again, I think I think the main problem, especially when it comes to people who are blind or visually impaired, is that that unknown. Mm-hmm. It's such a low incident mm-hmm. disability. You know, I, I the, quite frankly, the first visually impaired person I ever met was myself. So there's not a lot of knowledge out there about what what people can do. But 
you know, that's one of the things my employment services team does. They not only uh, assist people in getting jobs in the community, but they'll go into companies and do disability awareness. So if they're working with an employer and the employer has questions, my employment services team will go in there, discuss how it works and how how you bring somebody in, how you work with them, and what to expect. You know, I had uh, an employer ask me a couple months ago, you know, if I hire somebody blind, do I need to move all the furniture? You know, the open pass, well, help moving the furniture on somebody who's visually impaired is probably the worst thing you yeah. can do. But, but I was like, no, no, but they'll I, learn their way around. But so, I also think over time, there's a, you start to get comfortable, and, yeah. and it kind of becomes second nature. It's just like if you um, have an employee who's blind or visually impaired that serves on your team – almost forget that they're blind or that they have a visual impairment or they have a disability you, you really do over time you kind of forget all that and you see them just like you would see well, anyone else it's like any other diversity right i think yes. when we think diversity we think we think race or ethnicity or, or whatever and, and people with disabilities bring different viewpoints in as well and that's something i think sometimes employers mm-hmm. miss out on is is uh if i'm working with somebody with a disability I have to think, well, how can I use that to my advantage with or to the advantage of our customers with disabilities? Mm -hmm. Is there an aspect they're seeing that we don't see because we don't face that disability? So I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ups to it that probably aren't considered or not known. And a lot of it is people just don't know how to ask. Yeah, they just don't know how to ask. For our listeners, take us into the experience. Let's say you have a first a new hire. Uh This person recently. Uh, disabled, maybe had an accident or, or something in her life or his life. And there's the physical, the actual physical challenge, and then there's the emotional right. challenge. From a management perspective, what is the secret to success of those first few weeks of, of helping that employee get to live up to their potential? What are the secrets to success there as a, as a manager and as an executive leader? Well, I think the the secret to success is that that one-on-one communication and a leader at whatever level needs to know their employees. And as as we bring new employees in or you know, I, I can use Sherry as an example, uh, you know, sitting down with Sherry and talking to how, what do we need to do to make you successful? We'll go back to that conversation again. Mm-hmm. And and if they feel that support, that takes a lot of the the fear away. I know, you know, I could go to Jeff if I have an issue. I go to Sherry if I have an issue. That support, that team building there, that that bonding between a uh, boss and subordinate, whatever you want to call it, is really, really important. Um, bringing them in and, and having them feel as a part of the team, having them feel that, that they belong, that they have your support so that if there is an issue, they can bring it to you. You can address it up front develop a plan and get it taken care of. And I'm, I'm big, big on, on one-on-one interaction between employees and their, mm-hmm. and their team members and getting to, getting to know what they need to be successful in the job. And once you do that and you gain that trust, I have to build that trust with the employee that they can, they can bring those issues to me because you bring it to me early, we can fix them. We don't want them to blow out of control. So that two-way a two-way conversation and and i think what a lot of employees do especially with somebody or i'm sorry a lot of employers do especially with somebody with the disabilities they avoid the conversation mm-hmm. or they avoid the contact or, and that's leads to those feelings of isolation and mm-hmm. and 
not understanding of avoidance, uh, avoidance of mm-hmm. of that that the isolation of the employee with the disability and which causes them to withdraw and and to, and to pull back so in a big organization that's why subordinate leaders are so so important uh, I can lead an organization I can I can set a, a standard I can set a vision I can set a path forward but the day-to-day operation that's not me that's my subordinate uh, uh, leaders and they have to have the same vision the same path the same way forward the same connection with their employees the same connection with their teams the same or it just all falls apart and uh, it has to go all the way from first line supervisor all the way up to the the leader of the organization and without that it gets very hard but if each of those leaders has that that in mind and that's the vision that's why i think the foundation of any organization is the first line supervisor it just is like i said i come up with the world's greatest strategic plan and if the first line supervisors don't understand it or they don't buy into it it's not going to matter and if i have those strong uh those strong supervisors managers and directors then they'll build that teamwork around. They'll be able to bring somebody into that to that organization. Um, here, I think we probably have a lot of experience doing it with people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, other organizations, probably what's what's lacking is you, they get into that avoidance. But you got to bring them in. You got to sit down and talk. Guys, I want to thank you so much uh, for your spending your time here with us on the ROI podcast again. Uh, Jeff Mittman, President and CEO of Bosma Enterprises, joined with Sherry Hoddle, Senior Director of Business Development. Be sure to check out their podcast if you want to learn more about Bosma and the work that they're doing and how they're pushing out the cause and uh, in helping people who are visually impaired and blind um, here in Indiana and across the country. Their podcast is called Navigating Blindness, and you can find them on wherever you listen to podcast. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.